Well, it's good to be home. Good to be home. We, we were away in Florida doing some things down there, and so it's good to be back. How about Parker Dalton? Did he crush it last week or what? So yeah, we were watching online, and the worship was great as always, and uh, David Hager, Dr. Hager's word was great during the offering. Just, just a wonderful, beautiful day. It's so exciting to be away and just know whoever's up here carries the mail, don't they? Whoever's up here delivers. Why? Because they're anointed. Just like you are anointed. I want you to say this with me. I am anointed. Now, two weeks ago, Miss Gwen had a vision as I was coming up to speak. I grabbed her hand. We were, I see she was under the anointing. I said, just let her sit right here. And, and she wrote that vision down, and she shared it with me. <clears throat> so I want to read that real quick to, quickly with you. Here, here's why. You're going to have to follow me today. You're going to have to follow me because I'm setting you up this week and next week for what's coming in November. What is coming in November? Do we have something we can put on the screen, Trav, the, 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 the brochure or whatever? November 11th through the 13th, you need to clear your schedules, mornings and evenings. Just keep it up for a minute. Mornings and evenings. Man, those are small little pictures and stuff there. Uh, but we're going to have two streams conference. And what is it? Faith and glory will be manifested. You're going to see where that comes from. We have myself, we have Pastor Isaac, who is truly an apostle, multiple churches around the San Francisco area. Uh, he's a North American leader for Bishop Oyedipo, the largest church in the world in Nigeria, who's our covering and then we have Pastor Toye. You have not experienced his ministry yet. And this man of God has churches all over Houston just crushing it for God, just such an eloquent teacher of the word of God and faith. And, there, and then you have, you know, Pastor Bill, right? Brother Bill Walton, he's family too. All these guys are in covenant with us. And then we'll have Pastor Bill here. It's going to be an amazing time. And why are we having that? I've been believing for a number of years that to get us ready and prepared to have a time of saturation. Everybody say saturation. Your greatest growth happens in your life and experience happens when you are saturated, when you are inundated, not just with information, but impartation and revelation. Everybody say impartation and revelation. You see, God has anointed you for such a time as this. Now, it brings me back to the old days when I used to be with Pastor Rod Parsley and every year we had our camp meeting. My goodness, we'd have three, four services a day and some of them would be two, three hours long. But you know what? Everybody was wore out before it started because we were working and getting it ready for people come from all over the world. And then by the time it was over, we were wore out. But we always came through it stronger and mightier with a greater anointing on our life, greater power in our life and authority to do God's plan and to do God's will. So I want you to clear your schedules. James has decided, you know, it's the true son. He goes to the nationals every year and he wins that thing. What, I don't know how many times you've won that for, huh? The worlds, he goes to the worlds for his, he's won it three times, the deadlift and all that. And so he said, hey, if that's the 11th through the 13th, I've already got things scheduled. I'm gonna stay for the conference, it's that important. I'd, I'd clap right there, because if you got a hangnail, I wouldn't miss, right? If you, you know, if you had a leg, you know, you're about to lose, I wouldn't miss, I would not miss it, because whatever you need is gonna be there. And here's why. God gave me a vision, an encounter with him in the summer of 2005. And you hear me say this quite often. In the summer of 2005, God gave me a vision. I actually shared it with the church for the first time on New Year's Eve, 2005. And you've heard me say it a lot, but I'm going to get into it a little bit today and tell you how it ties in to the divine order of the things of God. Can you hear me now? Are you listening? Are you awake? I want you to get this. You online and you here today. Because this really has to do with your now and your future. Say my now and my future. I think we talk too futuristic. And when we talk futuristically, it's like we someday we'll get there. But I want you to realize you're already at a level higher than most churches or people are at or ever will be. I mean, how many churches do you know in America, not, all, not just this city, 
that have miracles and have bone miracles and blind eyes open and deaf ears open and salvation and baptism of the Holy Spirit. There's a very small fraction that do. And when you go back to this encounter I had with God in 2005, we actually began to move into a whole nother realm. We had some of those things, but once that happened, it, people say, well, how do you just get up one day and you call this person out and they get free and you're speaking to people you don't know about their past or future and this one gets healed and that one gets delivered and how, how does that happen? Well, it happens through revelation. But what you got to realize in your time of hiddenness, when you really don't feel God like you would like to feel him, when you really don't sense God like you want to sense him, when you feel like maybe, is God really hearing me? Does he really care? Is he really concerned about me? That's called times of hiddenness. Everybody say hiddenness. And in the time of hiddenness is when we receive our greatest revelation. What is revelation? It's the revealed word of God. It's uncovering God's mind, uncovering God's truth for us. It's, we would call it a prophetic word. Anything come from God's prophetic, right? But it is God's word and his spirit that is coming directly into us, giving us many times supernatural understanding. That's when you put super on the natural. In other words, you couldn't get it by natural means. Maybe you've tried, and all of a sudden, boom, one touch from God, and it enlightens, it opens up things that maybe usually people's never told you, or maybe you've never seen, and you begin moving at a different level. So in, in planning this event, and it's, it's, you need to like put finances back, you need to help. It's going to be very expensive for this house, but it's pennies compared to what God's going to do during that time. But it's all for nothing if people don't come and get saturated. So today and next week, I want to just kind of whet your appetite for what's coming. Now, we'll have some things online where we'll introduce Pastor Toye to you. Uh, I've done a call, a Zoom call with Pastor Bill just talking about his heart toward this event. I've talked to uh, Pastor Isaac and, and a call on a Zoom call. So you'll be able to see some of these guys in a little different format that you've seen them and hear more about the conference. But what I want you to realize, guys, is in the season of hiddenness, and, and some of you say, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in this. You're talking about these miracles. This, I don't feel like miracles. I, I barely feel saved, or I may need to get saved, or I don't feel empowered. I don't feel anointed. Anointing comes from revelation. Anointing comes from revelation revealing and having understanding of God like you've never had before. Because what did Jesus say? He quoted Isaiah 61, and he says it, I think it's in Luke 4, where he said, and he read the scripture of Isaiah about, I've come to what? Uh, heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free, you know, and all this. What was he doing? He was giving his mission statement for the Great Commission. But he said, I have been anointed. In other words, he said, I am the anointed one. And then when he finished it, he closed the book and he sat down in this chair. Well, people didn't care when he read that because he was reading it in second person. But he sat in a chair that no one was allowed to sit in. It was a chair the Messiah is supposed to sit in when he gets there, when he comes to the earth. He closed the book, he sat down, and they wanted to stone him. He had to leave and went through the people. They tried to throw him off a cliff. They wanted to stone him, but he, God just hit him, and he just moved right on through. Why is that? Because he had revelation they did not have. Because he had an encounter with his father they had never had. Because they did not understand the very Messiah they were believing for was standing in their presence at that moment. How sad that would be to be standing in the presence of the Messiah, believing, fighting, fighting wars, believing for him, and then turn him away because he's not the way you think he should be. Oh, he's just that little boy from Nazarene. You know, nothing good comes out of Nazareth is what they said, right? Here's the poor folks, the people that they, they, weren't, they weren't in the big shipping areas like Ephesus and places like that and Corinth where culture and money came from all over the world and different people. No, they were just these local Galileans down here trying to fish, trying to do some carpentry, just trying to get by. And as I think about that and I think 
Is it any different when we need a healing and our healing, our healer is present right now to heal us? 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed because of what? He suffered on the cross and by his stripes you were healed. Talks about that, 1 Peter 2.24, talks about that in Isaiah uh, 53. And then, then it's quoted in Isaiah 53 by Jesus after he uh, healed the leper when he said, if you would, if you will, you will heal me. In other words, is it your will? Jesus said, be thou made whole. He was healed instantly right in front of everyone. And then Jesus quoted again, Isaiah 53. Hmm. Is it any different believing for the Savior, but then accepting the Savior as your Lord? Is it any different believing for healing when your healer is not only in the room, but if you're born again, your healer is in you? That's why the Spirit of God in you is greater than what's happening to you or around you. That's why the little G, little God of this world, has lost power, lost authority. Why? Because of the revelation of Jesus coming and the revelation his disciples got and imparted to others. But remember, they weren't doing so great when he was first crucified, were they? Peter backslid, went back to his old life. They were all in doubt and unbelief. Mary Magdalene and others had saw him, and when they told the apostles that they saw him. They were angry. They were like, yeah, whatever. And then finally, when Jesus comes to give the great commission, he comes into the room where they were at eating and hanging out and complaining and in fear. And he, the Bible says he upbraided them in Mark's gospel, the last chapter of Mark. He upbraided them. In other words, he was ticked off. Like, come on, guys. I told you what they were going to do. You saw when Peter got all up in my face after he got that little revelation about, the, about me being the son of God. And I said that whatsoever you bind on earth will be bound on heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth will be loose on heaven. And you will have the keys of the kingdom, keys of authority. In other words, to unlock heaven. And then he said, how should we pray? Remember they asked him, how, Master, how should we pray? Like this. Thy glory, uh, what is it? The, the Lord's prayer, the... Hallowed be thy name, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there's rest, but that's important because in other words, he's given us the key that wherever we're at on this earth as sons and daughters of God, we have his authority to bring whatever's in heaven to earth. <laughs> you know, there's new hearts in heaven. There's new lungs. There's peace. There's freedom. There's deliverance. But if we don't have the revelation that we are the ones that carry that authority, well, how is Satan weaker now than he was before? How did his light get dim now than it did before? And you, you've asked me this a couple times, and, 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 and here's my understanding. Whenever Jesus was speaking to the 5,000, right before that, John's disciples came to him, right? And they said, basically, we come, John's in prison, and he wants to know if you're truly the Messiah. And Jesus said, go tell him the works I've done. Tell him what I'm doing. Tell him about the healed, the lame being healed and the sick being healed and people being delivered and set free because I'm here to set the captives free, right? Go tell him. And as they left to go tell John, he stood up and he said, what? I'll tell you assuredly, there's not, no greater prophet that's ever been born than John the Baptist. But the least of you, 5,000 men, your sons and your daughters, are greater than he. You see, John the Baptist had a revelation and an anointing to fight Satan. But he didn't have the Spirit of God in him like we do access to do it. Well, he did. He and Jesus are really the only two. But, but, but when you look at him, he didn't have the authority to be a son at that time. He didn't have the authority. Well, he didn't have the spirit and the power to work at that time, right? Because Jesus hadn't brought the paracletos. It would come on him like it did the Old Testament prophets. But get this. But the least of these, the least of you, are greater than he. What's he saying? You have greater power, greater authority, and greater anointing than him, not because you're special, 
but because of who, whose you are. Because the Bible said that Jesus is our elder brother. In other words, we are what? The children of God. We are who? Sons and daughters of God. We are family. But do we have the revelation of family? It's kind of like when Mephibosheth, the son of, of Jonathan, David's great friend, the, 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 the prince coming up to be king after Saul, whenever they were massacred and killed, Mephibosheth, a worker, a nurse, was taking him and fell when he was a little baby and broke his arms and his legs, and he was basically crippled. And the properties, some of the properties that David and Jonathan owned and all the wealth, someone They'd all divided out all of Jonathan's wealth and Saul's wealth and that part of the kingdom and someone else owned everything. And someone was just kind of taking care of Mephibosheth at one of those properties. But David summoned him when he brought the two kingdoms together and became king of both the north and south of Judah. Am I too deep? And I know it's hit and miss. I could take any one of these and you could teach 10 services on and still not get all of it but I'm setting something up. Say you're setting something up. So, so Jonathan is dead, all this. So David sends for Mephibosheth. Now Mephibosheth thinks, I'm dead now. He's killed my family. He's taken our kingdom. I guess I'm next. But what he didn't understand was Jonathan and David had cut covenant, but it wasn't public. So David didn't have to honor the covenant. Only Jonathan and David knew when they were out in the wilderness together, they cut covenant. They cut their hands, they blood, and they bowed to one another. And David said, is there anyone alive from Jonathan's household? Oh, just this one crippled kid, Mephibosheth. He's grown now, but he's crippled. He's, where's he at? Bring him to me. And when he comes in, he thinks surely he's gonna die. But instead, David had a seat at the great feast table with him. Mephibosheth had a seat at the table of the king and the feast was prepared for Mephibosheth and nothing else. Why? Because it represented a broken son coming home. And David made a decree. I want every property that belonged to Jonathan and Saul. I want all the wealth, the lands, the servants. Now you that run those are his servant and he is in authority. It's kind of like what God said when Jesus came and rose and Jesus was talking about the great commission. In other words, he's saying, that's my son's and daughters and the little God of this world was in charge but now greater than he or any prophet is in charge. The least of these are greater than Satan or his imps from hell or any previous religion. The least of these, whatsoever they bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever they loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Greater is he that's in them than he that's in you. They are the head and not the tail. They are above and not beneath. And just as every knee must bow to that knee, name that is named Jesus, now we're in the family and it has to bow to us too. If it's got a name, it's got a bow. Now there's one thing to know about truth, but there's another thing to know truth. In the English language, it's interesting. I feel like I'm just sitting in the back talking to Travis. We'll do this sometimes. He's like, man, I wish people could just hear this, Pastor. I wish they could hear this. So you're getting to hear it. Say, thank you, Travis. So knowing the English language means getting knowledge and understanding. But the word know in the Greek language, one of them is it's the same word as begot or begotten or to impregnate and give birth. You see, knowledge in the kingdom is birthing. Knowledge in the natural is knowing. It's like you hear me say it all the time. The children of Israel knew God, but Moses knew the ways of God. Moses had a whole nother revelation than the rest of the people. Why? Because he was, even though he was running for God, he had zeal, he lost his zeal. And just like Mephibosheth, God brought him back to the king's table. 
You see, what I want you to realize, you're living in the feast. You're living at the king's table. You're the king's sons and daughters. But if you just know that and don't know that, in other words, if you just have a general understanding and you accept it as truth, or have you been impregnated with it and it's producing something out of your life? It's the difference between knowing and knowing. So just as Mephibosheth was set up, God wants to set you up. Just as Mephibosheth is living in the kingdom authority, God wants you and I to live in that kingdom authority. And there's seasons of hiddenness, and I might have time to get into it in a minute, that we're in. Just like Jesus was in a season of hiddenness for 30 years. He was only brought out when he was 12 one time, and God had to have him, I'm sure an angel might have, we don't, it's not recorded, I wouldn't be surprised if an angel didn't visit Mary and Joe, said, go up there and get him, it's not time, probably go get him. I don't know, but it makes sense to me. They finally found him, teaching all the scribes and the Pharisees doctrine that blew their mind, and he was only the age of 12. But it was his hidden season. But once he is 30, which under the culture there, you're not allowed to really leave the home, start your own family till you're 30. You're there to support everyone and everything else. He started his ministry. Fulfilling Isaiah 61, fulfilling Luke 4. <clears throat> As he began his ministry, people didn't understand because remember what happened? Was it Luke 3 where John the Baptist is baptizing? And all of a sudden he sees Jesus walking up. And he said, behold, the son of God, the lamb of God. And everybody's like, well, you're crazy. That's that carpenter kid from over, you know, where in the, Nazareth. But when he came down, they began to get a revelation. You see, John had a revelation God would show him when he saw him. Even though Jesus was a cousin, he'd never seen him that way before. <laughs> Until John was obeying God and doing what he knew to do, what he had revelation to do what he had understanding to do, just obeying God, eating locusts and wild honey out in the wilderness, and God brought people, thousands of people, and he was baptizing them. Baptize them unto the Lord, baptize them. But he knew the word God gave him, when you see the Messiah, you'll know him because you're not worthy to latch his sandals for him. John was okay with that. So now, boom, John had had an encounter with God and got that word in Revelation that he would not be worthy to latch his sandals, but he would be introducing him and, and, and identifying him, making him known. But that is just, he's just, I don't know, he may have been baptized and just saying, Soon, when am I going to find the Messiah? When am I going to find, I don't know what he was, I mean, I don't know, but he was baptizing thousands of people. And he looks up and there's his first cousin that he had never seen that way before. I bet his own family thought he was crazy, Lenny. But boy, they didn't think he was crazy when he got his hands on Jesus, did he? And Jesus said, you baptize me. He said, no, master, I'm not worthy. You, you baptize me. And Jesus said, we must fulfill prophecy. You baptize me. And as soon as he dunked Jesus and Jesus came out, what happened? God spoke audibly from heaven and they recorded it and everyone heard it. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Why? He's pleased for he left heaven. But see, I'm pleased that he honored the hidden season and now he's moving into the next realm. You see, if you're not, we say it right here, if you're not growing, you're dying. If you're not moving and you're stagnant, if you're not going forward, that's what the kingdom's about. The word sozo for salvation means preserving, not preserved. That you're continuing in the hourist tense of the Greek, there's seven tenses. The hourist tense, it means you are being saved, being healed, being delivered, being made whole. In other words, it's never I'm saved and that's it. I'm whole and that's it. 
I'm healed. No, it's not like you do anything. Once you give your life to Christ and have his grace in you, no, you're not, oh, I got to repent every day and get saved. No, what it's saying is it's, it's the arrows tense of the future, but each of their past, present, and future tenses has three tenses, past, present, future. In the future, there's a now, a past, a now, and a future. I get too deep with you. So anyway, so anyway, preserving, constantly being saved, constantly being healed, constantly being delivered, constantly being free. Right now, you're being saved. Right now, you're being, yeah, but I'm already saved. In your natural mind, you're saved. Because you don't understand revelation about salvation. You remember how great it was when you first gave your life to Christ? What if you had a revelation on every second I'm being saved? Every second I'm being healed. Every second I'm being free. Every second. See, you look at yourself in your now and what you were and what happened to you and what you would like to happen or not happen. But God lives in the past, present, and future all the time. Hallelujah. Glad we could have this talk today. I feel like a father talking to a child that's going into high school or a father's talking to a child that's going away to college. What's getting ready to happen is so big, so enormous. I just don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to be like Mephibosheth and they have to basically capture you and bring you to the king's table. That's old covenant. God don't do that anymore. It's your choice. So the reason Satan has powers grown dim, he's the same as he's always been, Letha. It's just that we're more powerful. It's just that now the big G, the big God, is an authority using you and me and us. But if we don't know that and understand that, will we do it? So now it brings me to Two Streams Conference. All these years I've been wanting to do this, and God finally released us to do it. I'll learn how to open it someday. I've just had it five years. <laughs> Hallelujah. <clears throat> so now, oh, I never did tell you. With the, the statement God gave me in the encounter was what? Bring two streams together. Integrity and faith in my word and demonstration and manifestation of my glory. God says there's, and he taught me this, there's two streams. There's, and you'll see it in culture, the word movement, the charismatic movement, right? There's always streams in the earth, but the two main streams that all these other hinge on is integrity and faith. That means the truth and the faith to believe God's word. Integrity and faith, what? In the word. Not of the word, not about the word, not with the word but to basically have faith to believe in the integrity of the word of God and whatever the word of God is, let that be true and everyone else be a liar. <clears throat> People that come against, you know, the great commission where it says you that are saved be baptized, right? <clears throat> and what will you do? You will heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils, uh, you know, take care of the serpent and all that stuff. Why? And they'll, they'll write, they've written volumes of theological books and built schools and colleges, seminaries and cemeteries. There's some seminaries, but a lot of cemeteries. Built universities on this. Built denominations on this. Built all these things on this. Actually explaining away the power of God. Explaining away their own place in the kingdom. Explaining away their own anointing. Explaining away their own inheritance. Explaining away their own authority. Whew. You know, Jesus said, anybody know what the thief of God's power is? Jesus tells them about it. Sandy knows religion. Why is it? 
Religion is not bad in itself. It just means that you have rituals and habits that you perform. The problem is, is when your religion comes before the master. When you have religion without relationship. When you have religion without revelation. When you have religion without understanding. When you have religion without knowledge. Jesus said to the Pharisees when he was lining them up in the Gospels. He said, you, unbelief, religion, unbelief is the thief of my power. In other words, Satan don't have any power to stop what God wants to do. Only unbelief, which comes through religion. Religions change. We've changed the way we do religion around here multiple times. We haven't changed who our Savior is, our Lord is, and all that, and the blood of Jesus. No, I'm just saying some of the methods and the way we do ministry, like we used to wear suits and ties. We used to do this. We used to not do that. What am I saying? People get so caught up in that. If you don't look this way, act this way, talk this way, you couldn't be. But whenever the heavens opened up and Jesus said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, the voice of heaven, and a light came from heaven when he said it. And on top of that, what is the light? That's the glory. And whenever the light, the glory shined on Jesus, it said, then the Holy Spirit or Holy Spirit, we need to stop saying the Holy Spirit, there's only one. Holy Spirit came in the form of a dove from heaven and fluttered on Jesus and everyone knew then. He's not just called to be the son, he's anointed to be the son. See, what you gotta understand, you're not just called to be a Christian, you're anointed to be a Christian. And really, Christian, what is that? We were first called that at Antioch and it's never mentioned again. So why are we baptized in the name of Jesus under the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? Because baptism means you are baptized to the rabbi that is your rabbi. You're bab- That's why they were baptized. Some are John's baptisms and some are, you know, Barnabas' baptism. And you're, you hear them talk about that in the book of Acts. That means that you stand by and that's your master, your teacher. So what I want you to understand is the reason that is is that we are baptized into Christ. What is Christ? It means Christos, anointed one. Jesus, the Messiah, the anointed one and his anointing. You'll look over in John 2 or 3, I can't remember which one it says. Paul says there's all kinds of antichrist. But we know there's only one major antichrist, but there's all kinds of, what's that mean? Anti-anointed ones, ones that don't like the anointing, that are afraid of it or mad at it or don't understand it, don't have revelation of it. Is this helping anyone? So two streams is what God commissioned me to. In the summer of 05, I shared it with the church for the first time, New Year's Eve of 05, going into 06. And it was a little stir when I shared that. You all was like, oh, whatever, but not then. And we saw the presence of God, miracles, and, and we see seasons of that. But Holy Spirit told me, and that's the reason I want to have the conference this year, we're moving into another realm of that. Hence, Miss Gwen's vision. So let me read her vision in light of all that. And it'll help you understand, trying to catch you up a little bit where I am right now. So here it is. This was, what, the weekend of the 11th, I think, September 11th, two weeks ago. She said, when pastor held my hand coming, uh, uh, coming from the altar during worship, it was like something that was shot right up in my hands. Go through my arm, it was strong. With the anointing, I felt was all, all you. In other words, she felt the anointing in me, God using me as a, as a vessel to impart an anointing to her. <clears throat> I know that was impartation, she said. And then the Lord began to speak to me when I sat down. I think you had gone up to the pulpit, I had, and I was trying to open my eyes so I could see you. Pastor, I could not see you. <clears throat> I, couldn't, I couldn't see you. All I saw was a bright light. I kept trying to see at first, I thought maybe it was the light, lights were on the pulpit that I was seeing. But no, 
the light was so bright, I could not see you. I kept trying to look. I kept trying to open my eyes, but the light was so bright that I had to keep closing my eyes back. What is that? That is, what is light? Jesus is light. God is light, right? That is the glory of God. What is the glory of God? It's God present. And what God wants to do, that's why it's so important for the part that God gave me these words very meticulously in two streams, having what integrity and faith in God's word. And look this word, and demonstration. Everybody say demonstration and manifestation. Say demonstration and manifestation of what? Glory of God. You see, we can just say, and we can have manifestation of glory of God. Now, we didn't put all that in the title of the conference, but if we just have manifestation of the glory of God, that means that happens without us being involved. We're just there and God's glory manifests. It's like some of you, when you're here and you see someone get healed or someone get delivered or whatever, or you're somewhere else and you see God's glory, but you had no part in the demonstration. That's why the Bible calls it working of miracles, not just miracles. One of the nine gifts of the Spirit is the working of miracles. Why is it the working of miracles? It means that we participate in them. Like Samuel, where the jaw took the jawbone of the ass and killed over a thousand Philistines. Right? Ah, <clears throat> oh, you're gonna probably fall asleep on me. This is big boy and big girl word right here, people. It's not kitty stuff. And some of you just go, what just happened? My God, what, what was he? I didn't catch anything he said. Well, that just shows the level you are. It's okay. I had to have a great friend that she always said this. She said, tell the truth, you get some help. You just need to tell the truth to God. I didn't get that, Lord. Can you help me? <laughs> He'll help you. I do that a lot with God. <laughs> So everybody say the glory. So it is God's person, his spirit, that's showing up and showing out. It is the anointing comes from the glory. The anointing means to be like painted like a target, to smear on, to rub on, to smell, to see. So God commissioned me, bring two streams together because you have this faith camp and people in the integrity of word and faith. Then you have these Pentecostals or Charismatics or you have these other people that are, you know, some of them do, most of them don't, but some do flow in miracles, signs, and wonders in the glory of God. But it's the difference when we're commissioned to bring a stream to this planet or not really bring it to bring light or revelation of what God wants to do. And that is that, we're not just here to experience the glory. We're here to demonstrate the glory. Why do you think I stop and talk when I'm ministering to people now and tell you what I feel God's saying and tell you why I called that person out and tell you why this happened because that happened in her body? I'm demonstrating to you because God commissioned me to. It'd be easy to keep it a mystery and act like I'm something I'm not. But it's not a mystery. It's understanding. And the more we're exposed to it, the more we understand it. And the more we understand it, we'll have faith to practice it. <clears throat> Amen. <clears throat> so she said, all I saw was that bright light I kept trying to see. At first, I thought maybe it was the lights on the pulpit. That's why I was seeing. But no, the light was so bright I could not see you. And I kept trying to look. Isn't that kind of like Moses? Lord, I want to see your face. I saw your hinder parts. I saw, I want to see your face. Moses, you can't handle it. I just want to see your face, Lord. He said, okay, go up in a cleft of the rock and I'll come by. But before God could show him his face, it says, the Bible says he saw God's hinder parts and the light and the glory was so great, it blinded him. You ever been like around a welder, you lose your eyesight if you're watching welding, that arc of that light. Or you ever been out in the bright sun and then all of a sudden you come in where it's dark and you try to get your eyesight. Or you come out of a dark, dense place into bright sunlight and you're like, ah. The Bible says Moses was so exposed to the glory of God it affected everyone around him. The Bible said that his face was so shown with the glory and it was so powerful, they had to put a covering or a veil over his face so the people could even look at him. You see, when you open yourself to the glory, 
and revelation of the glory, it's going to get in you and on you and all over you. But it's not just for you. You see, the glory of God is in you for your sake, but on you for the sake of others. And the key is, how can we demonstrate the glory if we can't make it seen? If it can't be seen, it can't be understood. You see, there's things that we see, even if you're at a carnival and they do this trick or something, you're like, I know that, I know it was under that shell, or I know that. How did they do that? It's an illusion. But see, revelation takes the illusion away. It also takes the excuses away. <clears throat> so, so she is talking about the light. She said, I kept closing my eyes because she couldn't open them like Moses when the glory was there. <clears throat> and then she said, uh, I kept trying to close my eyes, but there, it was so bright that I had to keep closing and try to open them again. And then she said, it was the people. It was the church. They were on the edge of their seats. It was like everyone was on the edge of their seats. Now, to you and me, it felt like a good anointed service where I'm just preaching and I knew she's having a time with God, but she's seeing God's downloading to her. Not what is, but what will be. Not what is, but what will be. Soon and very soon. And she said, the people were on the edge of their seats. It was like they were pulling from this light. They were pulling from what? The glory of God presence of God, the power of God. It was like everyone's edge of seats pulling from that light and they were pulling. And that's when I heard my spirit say that you have a group that's coming. Talk about you, like pastor, you have a group that's coming and is seeking Jesus. They're not seeking you. They're not seeking man. They're not seeking, they're seeking Jesus. They're coming <clears throat> that they're coming that we're coming want to seek Jesus and no one else. In other words, you can come for a rabbi, you can come for a teacher. And everyone had the revelation, even the people that were against Jesus, that he was a rabbi and a teacher. They couldn't deny it because they understood what a rabbi and a teacher was, but they couldn't see him as Savior. And they couldn't see him as Messiah. They couldn't see him as a son because they didn't have, and really the disciples were still doubting it themselves, right? until they had another divine encounter with Jesus, a couple of them. Now look, she says what? This is supernatural transformation. <clears throat> so when something transformation, another word for it, like in Romans 12, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed to prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. God doesn't have a good, acceptable, or perfect. The conjunction is and, not or, or if. He has one will. It's good, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. When we talk about his will, we usually tie it to our purpose. Well, is it his will for me to marry or marry this person? Is it his will for me to go to this school? Is it his will for me to leave this job and take another job? What is it? We look at his will as basically a purpose. But the Hebrew teaches us, Derek, the Hebrew word for purpose is it, it means like a roadway or a pathway. It has a beginning and it has a journey along the way and it has a destination. You and I, our purpose is not to get somewhere. Our purpose is to walk and do what God asks us to do until we get to heaven. Not like get to a place here and we're so anointed and blessed, healed and prosperous and blessed and we'll never have any problems. This world is cursed Adam and Eve were cursed. We were born under a curse. And the only way you can break that curse is be saved, but not just born again in, under Jesus or in Jesus, but to get revelation of how to break curses. Many of you still, all of us battle our past and history. And if you look at something, you battle an addiction. You probably had an aunt, an uncle, a parent, or somewhere in the cousin. It kind of runs through your family. I, I talked to many of you, and I, I have to remind you, remember, that was your dad, that was your grandpa, that's your cousin like the spirit of suicide, compulsion and addiction, all those things, anxiety, fear, depression. It, 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 that's why the Bible calls them familiar spirits because they're, they're, they're familiar with your bloodline. They're familiar with your, if it's anger in your family, abuse, whatever it is, what is it? It's familiar with your bloodline. What's your blood? That's who you are. Your DNA. 
And they'll knock on your door and say, well, your uncle was open. Let's see if you're open. And you'll get free for a while. Then your uncle, I'll come back. How are you doing now? What's happening when all that happens? You see, that's why we got to get revelation knowledge, not just knowledge. The real revealed word of God that not only are we blood-bought, born again, going to heaven, but we are free and free indeed. Know the truth, the word, Jesus, and the truth will what? Make you free. He didn't say know the truth to be saved. He already said be saved through Jesus. He is the truth. He is the light, he said. He is the word. But when you know the truth about the Messiah and what's happened in you, you can be free of anything. But if you don't have revelation knowledge, you're just like a cat chasing his tail, right? A hamster on a wheel. You're all right to, I guess, this one area of your life and you just have to start over, start over, start over. But it only takes you to believe because the only thing that can stop Jesus' power is unbelief. Believing, it's always been this way. I've tried, it hasn't changed. I've done all I know to do. Have you really? Have you really? If you've done all you know to do, then it's time to do what you don't know to do and you get that from heaven. And it comes different ways. We talked about that a couple weeks ago, how revelation comes. Anyway, I gotta go on. <clears throat> I haven't even got to my message yet. Hallelujah. So, supernatural transformation. What is transformation? It's also the word meta, where we get, it's metamorpho. It's where we get the word metamorphosis. That means the image and everything is totally changed. Jesus was on the mount of what? Transfiguration. The Bible said he was metamorphosized into light and an image. And there was Elijah and there was Moses in an image. And he was metamorphosized or transformed right in front of Peter and John, I think it was. They're like, oh my goodness, let's build a monument. Let's... But when it was over, Jesus transformed back into flesh. That's why when it talks about it, you know, funerals and stuff, that, that you're going to be transformed or transferred from one kingdom to the other, there's got to be a metamorphosis take place, a transfiguration. Anyway. Oh, amen. Thank you, brother. So here's what she said. Now, this is important, what God said. This is supernatural transformation, and to have it, there has to be a new mindset. In other words, I get what I've always done, right? What I believe. There has to be a new mindset that we had to be truly hungry and thirsty for the word of God. Truly hungry and thirsty for the word of God. What's the word in the Greek? Logos, sum total, person, personality of God, purpose of God. Rhema, revelation, promises of God. Jesus is both. He's the promise and the revelation, all in one. And the purpose, all in one. That's why you're baptized to Christ. Why are you baptized to Christ, the anointed one? Because you're one of his anointed ones. Thirsty for the things of God, that we are headed that way that we are no longer coming to church service at Bethel, but we are coming to a movement. No longer just coming to a church service, we're coming to a movement. It's a movement that we are coming to. Everything at Bethel has growth connected to it. If Bethel grows, that means you grow because you are Bethel. You are the church. You are. It's not a building. That's a movement we're coming to, everything technical growth. And that if we just fall in line with what God is doing, supernatural transformation has to take place. Then she said on Tuesday, the Tuesday after that Sunday, God woke me up and I saw a ladder in the sanctuary of this people in the, and of this people in the sanctuary. You know what she saw, because, you know, we see visions, and then you got to get interpretation, and even she and I was talking about this. Remember Jacob's ladder? That was when Bethel was marked, and Jacob came back the second time after he'd already been whatever, and what happened? It says he sat in there, he's trying to sleep on a rock, and all of a sudden the heavens opened, and a ladder dropped from heaven, and angels were ascending and descending, ascending and descending. God actually, where his, and Bethel means house of God. 
That's the first time Bethel is mentioned in the form of God's house. Who lives in God's house? God's family. What was happening? He's the first man to get to see. People had seen angels come and go, but they had never seen a portal of angels descending and ascending. It's like God just said, right there where my presence is, is movement. Where my presence is, there's movement. Now, if you're focused on the Spirit of God all the time, that's good. But the problem is if you focus on the Spirit of God with no word, you're going to get goofy. And if you focus on the word with no spirit, you're dead. No movement. It takes spirit and word. Why? Because Holy Spirit is the only Holy Spirit of God. He's not an angel. Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity, right? So you got Holy Spirit, and it takes spirit and word. Word is Jesus. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, John 1, 1, and then on down in there, and God became flesh. Who was it? Jesus. So without Jesus and Holy Spirit, how can anything be alive and move? Now throw angels in. When Bill gave that revelation, she even talks about that here in a minute, everything began to change here when Bill came that first time, right? Bill Walton, the first time, and he taught on angels, and I mean, ever since then, I use mine multiple times a day. I don't know about you. But that revelation, and, and God gave him a revelation. We were locked up in the spirit for an hour or hour and a half, and some of you were still here weeping and praying in the Holy Spirit. And God, he supernaturally transformed our hearts together as one. And that's what God is doing with Bishop, uh, really, they should be Bishop Toye and Bishop Isaac. So, so what, what's happening all hell came against this house trying to destroy it. But God said, that's my Bethel. I've had people brandy, oh, you should change the name of that Bethel, Harvester. What's a Bethel? What's a harvest? Well, you don't know the word. That's your problem. That's not mine. Yeah, but how's people know if they come and they'll know? I said, if God tells me to change the name of this place, I'll change it. If you don't like it, you don't have to work here, come here, whatever. That's what it is. What if I'd changed that name years ago? And this prophecy come. Probably wouldn't have come. Because God marked this spot. He marked this house. He marked you and those that come. Bethel is a place of transformation that God's angels come and go. Jennifer and some others, they see angels all the time. Angels moving around. People have different gifts. <clears throat> So a movement's coming, she said, if we'll just fall in line. And then when God gave her that on Tuesday, that vision, he woke me up and I saw a ladder in a sanctuary of, of this people in the sanctuary. But there I saw it. There were angels that were going up and down the ladder, angels that was coming and angels that were ministering to people all over the sanctuary. Angels was ministers ministering to people all over the sanctuary and people were just receiving and receiving and receiving it. See, you can have angels moving all the time and not receive it. Some of you are bored with miracles. Oh, he's just, my God, how long is he going to pray for people? Oh, just someone's spine straightened out. Someone got a new kidney. Someone got free of diabetes, you know. Someone's blind eye open, but you know, you've kind of tired. You've been here two hours. I wonder what God has to say for you. You spit on my miracles. You're too lazy to be hungry for my gospel. Just like I manifested my son in my house, but it wasn't my house, it was their house. It wasn't my revelation, it was their revelation. It wasn't my understanding, it was their understanding. It wasn't my vision, it was their vision. And when he sat in the seat that I established for him, you tried to kill him. I wonder what God thinks about us. Oh, God, you're going to have multiple services. I wonder how they lead worship or I have to do children's or, or you know, I have to, you know, usher or, or you don't even do any of that. You just show up and then I'm, you know, I got to show up. I wonder which one I'm going to go to. I, I don't want to miss the best one. God just shakes his head. Who in the heck are you? I discipline myself. There are children in here. And some of them are grown, but they're children. And they're old, but they're children. 
What's God say in Hebrews? What did the apostle say in Hebrews? He said the very basics of the gospel, heal the sick, raise the dead, set the captives free, save the lost, bad. The, the minimum is raising the dead. I said the minimum in the book of Hebrews is raise the dead. So I'm not acting like I got it, people. It takes all of us. It takes all of our gifts. It takes all of our faith. And what she's saying there prophetically, what is that? God's saying those that are in that place, I'm going to send my angels and he's going to drop gifts and he's going to, they're going to minister things. They're going to minister and stir up gifts that I've already put in you. It's not like angels can't give you gifts, but they can minister to you, get you in a place to receive gifts. Gifts only come from God, Holy Spirit, Jesus. And gifts don't come from angels. Angels deliver, angels defend, angels protect, angels stir. That's why he says, every king, their heart is in my hand. Even if they're not saved, even if they're anti-God, you know why? He sends his angels to minister to them and something happens, an event, and all of a sudden they're like, well, like Nebuchadnezzar went crazy out there, right? I'm sure they had a part in that. And then when it's time for him to come back saying, I'm sure they had a part of that. He never had a Holy Spirit in him. But God's angels can go forth and minister different ways. But we're in the place of Bethel, place of outpouring, where the ladder of God and angels are coming and going and coming and going, and we're hungry for the word. And we're filling our belief, not our unbelief. Not looking, look at me. You know, I've been embarrassment. I'm... Some of you've been to my house. You, you watched me at a ball game. Some of you rode in my truck with me. But you know what? I really don't care because you didn't call me. You didn't anoint me. You didn't equip me. I care if I disappoint God. I repent over things when I get angry or whatever. But, but, but that's between me and God. Just like your sin's not mine. It's not Catholic Church where you come and confess your sins to me. No man or woman has the power to do anything except obey God. So if you're looking for the perfect preacher, or woman of God or man of God, you'll just be looking because there ain't one. There he is. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. But other than that, there's not. And I'm not making excuses to lower our standard of holiness. I'm just telling you the truth. Well, I love that church until. That church changed my life, but this. You know, that, that, that's the most amazing ministry, but they. The butt keeps coming in there, and that butt is a point of transition to you. It should be that happened to me. They said this, they did that, and I forgave them. You know, this over here happened, and it shouldn't have happened, and I forgave them. You know, this over here, I didn't understand it, and I didn't have knowledge, and I took it to God, and He gave me revelation. Not but, it should be and. People have left this church but still come and feed off its ministry. I'm fine with it. Love them. I love them whether they stay gone or never come back. My job is to love people. But it's awful funny to me. People that leave the church and talk negative about me and the church, but they come here for ministry. You know what grace is? Grace is to love them and pray for them and pray the best for them and their families, whether they ever attend Bethel again or not. That's not what it's about. My heart and the heart of this house is to love everyone just as they are, not as I think they should be. So I'm not being negative when I say that. I'm just complimenting this house that even if people leave this house, they still come back for touches from God. They still come, well, they're just coming back for the relationships. Yeah, but those people that they're having relationships are very connected to the house. <laughs> Whatever, I'll get, I'll get emails over that. No, they're not brave. Nobody's brave enough to say it to my face, but I'll get emails. Hallelujah. Anyway, I love people just the way they are. I wish people could love me just the way I am. Four of you do. That's good. Think of my family. Okay. Hallelujah. Say ouch. But it's good. And, and I'm not being negative. I, I just use that as an illustration. There's some of you that's came and left the church, came and left the church. We even had a testimony of that uh, with Monty in the video you saw. And he said, when I came back, everybody just loved me like I'd never been gone. That's our job. 
We don't love you because. We just love you. And that's the way it should be. Everybody say amen. Okay. I'm about done. Let's try and get through Miss Gwen's prophecy. Okay, so let me finish just another paragraph. We'll be there. So it's talking about, then she, God went on and showed her. Let me just read that little caption. He woke me up. I saw the ladder in the sanctuary, people in the sanctuary, but I, there I saw it, and there was angels. So people would be us, but then angels, and angels were up and down the ladder. Angels was coming, and angels was ministering to people all over the sanctuary. Angels was ministers ministering to people all over the sanctuary. Isn't that key that God said sanctuary twice? Just say it. And... <laughs> And people were just receiving and receiving and receiving. See, it's like I tell you the definition of prayer. What? Prayer is what? Asking is communing and conversing with God and asking and receiving from him. A lot of people commune and communicate with God, and they'll ask God, but they don't have the faith to receive it. They say, I prayed, that's mine. I sowed a seed, that's God's job. No, it's not. And it didn't say ask or receive. It said asking and receiving, just like salvation. I just keep asking. I keep my ask out there. I keep my receiving out there. It doesn't mean that I have to pray it over and over. I just give thanks for it. Okay, anyway. Lesson on prayer, too. Okay. Angels was ministering to all the people of the sanctuary, right? And they received. So it's important that we receive whatever God gives us that's of him and of the word, right? We don't nothing weird. God said individuals will experience transformations. Now get this, individuals will experience transformation. Families will experience transformation. Leaders of ministry will, will experience transformation. And then he said, waters are being stirred and it's time to get in. Waters are being stirred. Remember I teach you that out of uh, John 5, is it I teach that out of, or Luke 5, but John 4 or 5, I can't remember where Jesus came down to the paralytic and it was the pool of Bethesda, right? And whenever the water was stirred or agitated, Tereso, an angel of the Lord would come in. He was doing it, the angel was, and then it said the first person in was healed. And then Jesus, what did he do? He changed that to where anyone that's a son or a daughter of God has the power to heal. Don't have to wait on an angel. Hmm. That's good. So, but here's the key to it. It's time to get in. So that takes action. That takes belief. There is to be no doubt, no doubting, no limitation, no hesitation, and no blaming. I thought that was interesting. Letting no doubt, no hesitation, and all that. But then no blaming. Because it's easy to blame God when somebody else got something you've been believing for for 15 years. It's easy to blame God or blame church or preachers or ministers when something hadn't happened in your life, you know it's supposed to happen. It's easy to blame yourself when you don't see God move in your life and beat yourself up. That's usually what we do more than anything else, self-punishers. But see, if you're doing these other things, you won't blame. If you're not doubting and you don't have limitations or hesitation, there won't be any blaming yourself or anyone else. Hmm. It's time to get in. We cannot be fearful and we cannot go back to where we came from. That'd be like Nicodemus, you know, when he asked Jesus what he must do to be saved. He said, well, you've got to be born again. He said, well, my mother, I'm old, my mother's dead. How can I go back into, you can't, birthing is transition, people. So what Jesus was talking about when John the Baptist died, whenever something bursts, whatever was keeping it alive dies. The placenta and all the things, the nourishment and the biblical cord, it's cut. So the time of birthing is a time of death and transformation. A baby was living on its mother. The umbilical cord's cut. Now it gets its own oxygen and now it's transformed into its own person. Now we know it's a person when it's you know, all that. I don't get all the politics. But it's starting to walk in its own identity. Hallelujah. Because I don't believe in abortion, that's for sure. I believe it's wrong. It's death. You can believe what you want. I'm not judging you. I'm just saying the Bible clearly speaks against it. So anyway, just so that's clear. Not being political, I'm just right. <laughs> just right. 
Now, I'm not judging anybody. I'm not, it's your life. You're the one going to stand for God. You're not standing for Dalton. <laughs> I'm not God. Hallelujah. Oh, the wind didn't like it. Or somebody's walking up, I guess. Okay, me and this. <clears throat> Somebody said, please, thank you. In other words, when you've been in transformation, you can't go back to where you're from, right? Somebody on the roof? The wind blowing? Oh, I wonder if somebody's working on an air conditioner. I don't know. I rebuke you in Jesus' name. Okay, let's go. <clears throat> don't fall and hurt yourself, though. God bless you. Uh, so don't doubt, right? Don't be fearful. That was, that, that as a people of God, we experienced freedom and so forth, and we don't have to worry or run back to, to concentrate that, uh, run back or worry, but just to concentrate on the word. We got to stop. We don't concentrate. In other words, we're not concentrating on the word. That's why we end up feeling like we're going backwards. Don't focus on what the enemy is doing. That's important. But focus on what God is doing. Look, if I sat around and focused on every attack I had, my, my kids have said it, my God, mom and dad, it's like, y'all are doing good in your marriage and stuff, but man, you're helping all these other people maybe that's hurt or lost a loved one or their marriage has lost their marriage or lost different things. You know, me and her, if we're arguing, it's usually over other people's problems. <laughs> because we both love some people so much, we'll go over the farther than we should and wear ourselves out trying to fix them, and we can't fix them. Just love them. Somebody say amen, preacher. <clears throat> Miss Gwen said this also, and we're going to pray. And the fact of it is, back ever since she said, since Pastor Bill Walton came, the church has been on the move. And God said, have you ever encountered growth or move without the enemy jumping in in a certain, some kind of way? So we don't have to be concerned. Yes, we're going to pray against it. We're going to pray and stop the hand of the enemy, but we are going to concentrate and our focus is on him, on Jesus, not on what the enemy is doing. The water is stirred. It's time to get in. No more limitations, no more hesitations. It's time to get in. Everybody say, it's time to get in. So here's what I'm going to type at the top of my message I'm going to preach next week. I'm going to go over and do it right now because I got two streams at the top of it. And I'm, you know what I'm going to type in? I want to type in new title, Two Streams Move. Because this is what's happening. Two streams move. What's that? Move of God. We've already been in it somewhat, but it's getting ready to go to a new realm. It's getting ready to have a transition. You know, nurses and stuff in pregnancies, there's transition periods in there. Different times, right? Transitions. Dr. Hager, all you know. We, we've been in this birthing thing, a move, birthing a move. This church is like right at almost 23 years old, and we've been in this birthing, this birthing, this birthing. <clears throat> I believe we're getting ready to see that baby crown. If you don't know what that is, that means that little peak of that head's coming out of there. And I believe before this year is over, you're going to recognize a move of God. Not a revival. We're not redoing anything. And let me encourage you. It'll be something you've never seen totally. It'll be something you may not like everything about it. It may be something you don't totally understand, but that's not your job. Your job is to be in the mood, get in, allow God to transform you so you can transform others. That's what we're here for.